Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash that's another podcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to That's Another Podcast. I'm your host, Oscar Robles, and with me is... Kyle Davenport and Anthony King. This week, we're going to talk about our favorite villains. We're going to have three segments, film news, our second segment, the topic of the week, and third segment, what's on the mind, my personal favorite. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, <laughs> my personal favorite. <laughs> uh, so let's just jump right into the news. Uh, so Straight Outta Compton debuted with $56.1 million. That's another hit for fucking Universal. I know, Universal's yeah. just going at it. Yeah, we're, we're, let's just clink right here. This this By the way, we're drinking this time, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. It's going to get a little bit more interesting. <laughs> Just a couple more beers to add it. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway, by the time we get better. by the time we get to what's on the mind, it's just gonna be. <laughs> like, you know what, guys? You know what? I don't need this. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, shout man. out to IPA though. Yes, beautiful IPA. It's it is to those who are beer lovers. IPA. If you like them, fuck yes. If you don't, well, fuck off. Is that the first time? Is this is the first time you tried it. Or have you tried it before? Oh, I I love IPAs. Uh, this is the first time I've tried Firestone. I personally love I've Stone never IPA. tried Firestone. It's pretty bomb. You want to try it? Yeah, let me try yes. some. Look at this. Just have you had uh, Luna Gators? I don't think I have. Oh. We're sharing, guys. Sharing is caring. That's what's going don't on. Don't plug right your now. mic. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I like that. Is that right. it says? All right. I like his. Yeah. They're both. I like, I like bitter, bitter beers. So mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. like the bitter for... It, the bitter you don't, you don't like nothing sweet, nothing sweet. Uh, not the nothing sweet. It's once just in a while, as, for me, yeah, once in a while. But as far as like, like, because wh- most people don't like thicker beers, but I do because it requires less beer to feel a good buzz. Mm. So mm-hmm. I feel a little classier because I'm like, I didn't drink that much, but I got a you little. Feel, good you feel buzz. better holding the one, exactly. holding the one. I hear you. Uh, all right, I two hear. minutes in, we're already not even talking about news anymore. No, no. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, hey. hey. We're it's talking- gonna be an, like I said. It's gonna be an interesting podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, we were talking about, you know, straight out of Compton. You know, it's it's in an untraditional film. That's not really true. Just but, uh, it's <laughs> another so, biopic, but it has a lot of. So did you see it? Or did you guys see it or not? I haven't I seen not. it. I haven't seen it. Okay, well, I saw it, and um, I, I th- I'll save it for a little later. But um, you know, it's it, yeah, it's a biopic. It's uh, it has a few things working for it. So <laughs> what I heard about it, I heard it's heavily focused on Easy. Uh, I'll I'll say this: um, the actor Jason Mitchell for for Easy he he steals the show. He's okay. uh, he, he's cl- he's at another level. He's not you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, O'Shea Jackson also did a really good job. He's super charismatic as Ice Cube. Uh, he's, he's probably considering like, it's his dad. I would hope. Yeah, He has the same. He has that same that charm. mannerism and, and, and whatnot. He is funny. Right. Is I, 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 basically I, the same face. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Oh, they yeah. look spot I, spot, spot on. on. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's I have to say, walking away from the movie, uh, Jason Mitchell. So he's probably. Yeah. I don't know if he'll blow up after this or not, but I mean, he definitely. Hopefully, holds if it. he did that, great. He holds it, and then the story. The first five minutes are, are on Easy E, and then the last. Um, it, it's. It could easily be renamed, you know, like Easy E. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but um. 
everyone gets their fair share and everyone has a little like a moment of shine mm-hmm. uh but but i'll save it for a little later i don't want to just i don't want to bust the load right now let's, let's you know let's do a little foreplay right <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I did gangbusters, and Universal's having just an awesome another year. successful week. I know, like even as the, because even before this, I wrote an article that that the box office has been taking some pretty low hits. This this like their ticket sales have been diminishing quite a bit. So this is probably good good revenue for them. It is, yeah. And um, I think like their budget was twenty six, twenty seven million. So it re- they, it, oh, they they're almost they pretty good. Be Opening like, weekend, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's, that's they're definitely. Got to make a good profit from that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then the word of mouth is definitely gonna help it out. Yeah, um, like I, I, went to the movies because I saw a uh, man from Uncle this weekend, and it was just like everybody was buying for uh, Straight Outta Compton. I, I hadn't heard much about this film at all before, right. like uh, literally a for couple Uncle days or, prior. Or, Uncle or Straight Outta Compton? Straight Outta Compton. Okay, mm-hmm. I wanted to see a man from Uncle for oh, ever since we were discussing that four minute trailer before the podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ever since it was then, a good trailer. I to it. it long, is long it was a long trailer. trailer. I had to get bored. It was like a little mini short film. It was. <laughs> it, was it, it, it it holds up. There's just only one scene that I don't I did not like. It's okay. There's just one. And that's it. And it and it's not even that, that it doesn't last that long, so it's not even bad. So it, the rest of the movie's perfect. Huh. Uh I do I mean, I definitely want to see it and I wanna see Henry Cavill outside of the Superman suit, you know. I think I un, unlike Christopher Reeves, I think he'll have no problem breaking out of that show. Because I've noticed that a lot of them take on that responsibility. Really? Like then- it's it's discouraging as yeah. an actor because you get portrayed as just that one one role, role and, that yeah. specific person, and yeah. I can imagine it's fucking annoying, especially when you, especially for an actor who wants to try and be diverse. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be Superman, but they don't want to be just Superman. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to break out those type of roles too, because when you're playing such a key iconic character, oh yeah, everyone's just gonna match you to that. Same thing that was happening with um, Hugh Jackman until recently, where he started breaking out in number of different films i think that was a matter of 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 how much he wanted to break out into other roles because i mean i think pan is his first real villain role mm-hmm. that he get that he's gotten and, and he even said in an interview everybody wants to play the villain yeah like it's 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 fun fitting he, that it's but, the podcast too he's, he's done yeah we're not there yet but he, he has <laughs> But he has, like we said, foreplay. We, we got to keep it slow. Take our time. You know? yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, but Jackman's shown range outside of it, and he has success before and after that. Yeah. Um, I think like a, probably another example we can like more. I won't say tragic because I mean the guy's still working, just not nearly as much. Brandon Ruth from Brian Singer's Superman Returns. Okay. Uh, the last thing I saw him in was tragedy. Scott Pilgrim. I didn't. Uh, yes, yeah, he was, was good in that. Time. He was like, good. He was. He was like he he. But but. If you, especially when you take on an iconic role, I think what's more dangerous is if you fuck it up. Yeah. Because you get bashed for it. Even if you have yeah. no responsibility well, he, for he what it is. I, I didn't think personally he did anything wrong with the Well, role. I he think did. it was just the writing for that. Oh, yeah. It, I well, think people it, either loved it or hated it. There's still some people that defend it, and there's still aspects of it that are not terrible. But, um, but I mean, even if you think about the most popular one, I mean, think about, like, with Christopher Reeves. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a huge pro- problem trying to get, like, Away from, yeah, away, that away from that persona, away or walk away from it, like he and even uh, to like up to his death, where he oh, never mind, that was me. Yes, I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was looking up. for it. I was, uh, I was looking for it. <laughs> no, but even like Damn, up until no, his death, <laughs> his, his last role up to his death was what in Smallville, a cameo. Yeah, was yeah. it really? Yeah, he carried it on. He carried, he carried it on, on until, until he died. Oh wow. Um, he played like a scientist that that figured out that he that Superman had arrived during that, yeah. that meteor shower or some shit like that hmm. like there was a message or something beforehand yeah. something something, something like, like that. that yeah i mean he didn't 
I wouldn't quite call him like a has been, but he he did get like he wasn't doing what he wanted to he do. He could he could he couldn't shake the role, especially back. I feel that nowadays you can you can break away from it. Like for example, Jennifer Lawrence. Right. She does multiple different yeah. sequel movies, but she can break away from the that. Image, I th- like. and then well, with I mean, during that time, I mean, afterwards, of course, he couldn't really do much for the yeah. breaking away. But during the time where he's playing Superman, I mean, it was struggling just to break away from that persona. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's um, I don't know. There's uh, that whole thing with with. Uh, with has been, I mean, I'm sure there's a better word. Just actors in general, when they when they don't work for a while, it's very hard for them um, to kind of get back in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if especially for Christopher Reeves, if if he uh, or any other actor that's known for one role and they take time off, it's it's like they're fucked. You know, because they're they're known for that one role. Yeah. Very rarely do have they ever come back and then yeah. all of a sudden everybody become recognize them for something yeah. different. If at yeah. all, I mean, most actors, I mean, like we'll know them for a few years and then they're gone, and then we forget about them, and then you know, like, mm-hmm. maybe not. You know, we're, we're film geeks, and there's a lot of people out. You know, yeah. Um, but but as a casual moviegoer, like once you see them drop off, like that's once you why see someone hype. drop off, it's hard to see them go back and hide. Yeah. Like. I mean, there's only few who, like, probably exceeded that, like, with Robert Downey Jr., how he took that hacious period where he wasn't filming, not doing much stuff, or doing really low-budget stuff. That was, you know, because because of certain issues. Yeah, there are certain issues, but it's, like, it's the same thing, though. They Mm -hmm. have that break period. They have that time where they're not doing stuff. You, I you personally, someone, you need someone to take a gamble though. With Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think yeah. kind of helped them set yeah, up did. for Iron Man. I didn't. I didn't before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. I had not seen anything of Robert Downey's work. Same. I, See, I, I've I, seen I, a few of his older stuff before that, and then like I was like, okay, I know that person from this movie, but I wasn't. I didn't extinguish him as that's Robert Downey Jr. For me, yeah. yeah for me, it wasn't until afterwards, and it was really. Mm, my mom was a huge fan of him. Uh, well, back in the day, was, I mean, yeah, he was, he was good looking. You know, he was yeah. like he not, was, not just. I mean, he's good looking today, right? Good, you know. But I mean, but back then, not done drugs. Imagine what he looked like then. <laughs> well, but back, back then though, he was um, he had he had a, like look. a heartthrob. Like, yeah, he, he had a yeah. heartthrob look. Yeah. You know, he was a young guy. Yeah. Um, but that's actually that's actually kind of interesting. Let's segue here to to the next news topic, um, a trailer. Uh, so with Robert Downey Jr., we had a couple. So we had John Favreau, and then we had um, uh, the director of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang um, take a risk on him, right? Because mm-hmm. they knew he was an actor and that could do a performance. Yeah. Um, we have another director that is just almost famous. Well, one of the many reasons why he is so so loved by by the fan communi- community, and that's uh, Quentin Tarantino. He consistently hires people that have been out of the limelight for a little while. Oh, I so love I'm talking about right now uh, the Hateful Eight trailer. It's so beautiful. Kurt so Russell. We all, we all saw it. Yeah, Samuel, Kurt Russell. Samuel yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Well, Sam, he never really goes he, away. He, he never, he never, really he never gets rid of him. Yeah, no, he's the opposite. Because he of, knows Samuel Jackson yeah. can fucking do exactly what yeah. he needs to Quentin Tarantino's I, fucking. I think yeah. he's just his biggest fan, really. I think oh, Tarantino's I think so too. Yeah, yeah. clearly. But I mean, I think they're both fans of each other. They both love, oh, yeah, like, like sure. Sam Jackson. Like even during narration for Inglorious Bastards, like it's the little things. Like I think he honest. I think both of them are fans of each other yeah. and both like want to collaborate together. Yeah, I mean, they have that relationship where it's just like it just they work so synonymously with each other. It yeah. just works out. It's like the same thing with Samuel Jackson. Also, he like he appears in a lot of Spike Lee films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing that I've always loved: like when Spike Lee cr- criticizes Quentin Tarantino. Sam Jackson has always been there to defend, defend yeah. certain things. Like I don't, I, I never understood that. Well, it's, a bo- it's a bond. I mean, it's, it's a bond. He, yeah. I mean, he. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far to say that he made him, but he he kept him around. And there's a lot of times. I mean, pr- okay, with prior to Avengers, right? Samuel Jackson really wasn't doing that much. But yeah. people know him. 
because he's made great movies that will never go away because of Tarantino. I'm pretty sure if you're an actor, you're he knows that. He oh, knows yeah. what he what he what he has done for him. So of course he's gonna defend him. You know. I love, I love Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction has some of the best dialogue Samuel Jackson has ever spewed out of his mouth. Yeah. Exactly. Ever. And then but, uh, what's well, the most like? Does he look like a bitch? It's like it's like the most like cult following cult popular oh, and it's like, well deserved because it's like yeah. one of the most beautifully well written and especially book. just for the dial and that's like a difference where you have these cult followings these cult classes where people love it for certain themes yeah. but with Quinn Tarantino's films what it is is the dialogue itself within the films that it's people him. love it is just non-compromisingly him yeah. you know he doesn't you can tell he just has I don't want to say complete reign but he it's it's his vision for sure did anybody catch in the trailer that there's a reference to Django Unchained and in it well I, th- I think by this point he's confirmed that he, he all his movies take place in the same universe so i'm pretty sure yeah. he, i love that referencing you know. like right in the beginning is all most m- people who sit up on a purse and shoot you in the back and throw you over a saddle yeah and he's all but when the hangman and he's all <laughs> you hang i like uh, just the, the subtleness of samuel jackson like the presence the threatening of Gosh, you're gonna that's... get shot you're not no warning no question just a bullet and i was just like him narrating basically the entire trailer or the first opening shot of him sitting on a bunch of dead, dead bodies. bodies. It's, just, it's Samuel Jackson. Room for one more. And I'm just like, yes, there yeah. is. <laughs> uh, it's, it looks really good. And the cast is always looks super good. Um, oh, Tim Roth, too. I guess yeah, someone he hasn't Tim worked Roth, with yeah. for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's it's another guy. Who, but like I said, yeah. when I told you about like what the trailer looked like, it yeah. looked like basically Reservoir Dogs Western, like yeah. Western Reservoir yeah, yeah, Dogs. Yeah. yeah, it's I think uh, he well, I think he's mentioned in interviews. It's kind of funny because Tim Roth is in it. Yeah, in Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. There's... Is he gonna be bleeding on the floor again? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I, I wonder how many. <laughs> I, wonder. I wonder. If it's if it's the same universe and in, in the same you know different timeline, right? It's um, like an ancestor. Yeah, I I, I would find that very funny. Um. But you know, there's uh, yeah. See, like I'm looking at the cast. So Tim Roth, he hasn't worked for a while. He's picking him back up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last movie I saw Tim Roth in was the uh, Hulk, Incredible yeah. Hulk. Oh yeah, where he Norton. he did a yeah. abomination again, again, another villain. But he he did a good job. He yeah, was one of the more I interesting. Did like. He did he did a very interesting Marvel. In my opinion, doesn't have. We'll, we'll get to this. We'll, we'll save this. Yes, but yeah. yes. They yes. usually don't have the best villains. Um, that's probably like one of the biggest criticisms you can give to that to their storylines, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know. He he made it compelling. Uh, he made it. I wouldn't want to say scary, but he just definitely like you don't want to mess with him. You know, like yeah. that part where he's like sitting down, he's like sweating. He's like, I need it. You know? Yeah. 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 He looks like you buy it. This guy's crazy. Um, another guy, uh, Michael Madsen from you know while we're talking about oh, Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think they yeah. even said that this is the first time that Michael Madsen and Tim Roth have been on the same screen together since, since Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. I'm sure though. That's, yeah. I mean Tarantino's like. He caters to to his audience uh, to a certain degree, oh, yeah. so I, I'm sure there's gonna be some sort of nod, you know. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to bet Michael Madsen kills fucking Tim Roth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or he in. flips the table. He is expecting us to uh, yeah. okay. expect that. All right, we're we're, we're, uh, we're circle drinking um, over here. Let's let's uh, let's let's move on away from Hateful Eight, but we're all excited and we want to check oh, it out. Oh yes. Uh, next up, this isn't so much news as it is an observation. Uh, the top ten films. The most profitable films in the last five years uh, were all horror films. So l- let me just give you some numbers. Um, uh, the Last Exorcism cost seventy million dollars. Okay, or it, it grossed seven million dollars, seventy million dollars, one point eight to produce. Uh, the Devil Inside, one hundred and one million dollars. It cost one million to produce. Insidious, a hundred million dollars. 
1.5 to produce. I mean, there's, there's uh, it just goes on and on and on. But I mean, I, I was, it's kind of surprised because I knew and they were it profitable. Makes sense when you and think it, about it, like, like, I, I like. Because it's practical effects being it's, used. Like, yeah. it's a lot of themes. It's like, a lot cheaper. Jump, cheaper jump scenes. Jump scenes. Now that I think about it, how often is a jump scene just a long take mm-hmm. and then cut to something? Exactly. And it, and it makes sense because that doesn't cost, like, it's it, like there's the no need for a budget. Less footage because there's less cuts. Because a lot of, I mean, you notice with the a lot of takes. horror films, yeah. they take longer takes. Because, yeah. you know, you have to get that eeriness. You have to get that atmosphere yeah. in there. So it's less, you know, cost for reels, less cost for production. Um, actors, they're actors, usually unknown. They're usually unknown yeah. to lowercase. So I mean, so you have these actors and actresses that you don't have to pay as much as these, tr- you know, triple A actors that you have. Would mm-hmm. you see a movie with triple A actors in a horror film? Because honestly, I think I would enjoy enjoy watching one. Uh, I mean, you had a little bit of that with uh, with Scream, and then back in the day with even Psycho with Hitchcock. I mean, it happens every once in a while, and I yeah. think that's part of the reason why they blow up. But I would imagine. They're not as profitable. It's as, not as profitable because you have you know? these faces that you know. So yeah. it's the ideal is you know they die on screen. You know that you know they're gonna go on and do another big budget film, which you have these unknown faces. Well, you no, really have no a sc- a scream. What we're talking about? She dies. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, uh, she dies uh, right away. Quickly. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you got to take into effect with you know all the practicalness especially no visual effects so of course you know it's not going to be as costly but we talked about this during before we started the podcast and what most people don't understand about budgeting and how much you actually like how much movies actually make after all the money goes to certain places if they actually make profit or not yeah and then the cost that they report is never 100 percent accurate exactly you know, a, lo- a lot of people will take um uh Cut. So say mm-hmm. say for visual effects that like we're talking about a very expensive part of filmmaking. Um, As a lot recently. of recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so it's it's like a hidden cost because yeah. a lot of times it's, it's a hidden cost because yeah. I mean most people don't understand is it. like when you make a film and then you're you know going through the box office and you're trying to get the money back. I mean it's usually a rule of thumb and when you're working is you need to make double the amount to actually start making profit. Yeah. So, and that's what works out with these like ho- uh, these horror films. The fact that since they're low, such low budget costing, you can do what you want, and you know you're gonna make the money back. While you have these massive action, two hundred. The first thing I think of is fucking Avengers two. I wonder how much they exactly. Pay you have these massive like action CGI like heavy budget two hundred and fifty million dollars. I mean, you have to expect that well, I, I, with with Marvel. I think. Part of their success, I think, is because uh, they are pretty efficient. They are. They, 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 pick, they pick directors that are well-known critically, mm-hmm. but they're not. So, so say, um, John Favreau at the time of making Iron Man was not really that big. No. Yeah. You know, it was after Iron Man where he, he kind of got a little more recognition as a director yeah. and an artist in, in that regard. Um, James Gunn uh, for Gardens of the Galaxy. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he was known for Slither, so he had a cult following, but mm-hmm. he was very cheap to hire he, he yeah. has made a big giant temple film but let's take this from another aspect and we mm-hmm. think about with disney where they released john carter mm-hmm. now john carter one, most yeah. people don't know is it lost around between like 97 to 100 million dollars oh it was terrible yeah, yeah it flopped yeah. but if you see their box office budget and how much they made you wouldn't suggest that they lost so much money mm. Oh, yeah, because it's a matter of how much you invested in the film. Exactly. So, I mean, you have to think about, like, after distribution, after paying the actors, after paying the directors, after, you know, doing all the, after paying the advertisement fees and everything that you paid for, you have to really take into account, like, the account. How much profit is actually being made. 
And a lot of times you don't realize is these big blockbuster films, sometimes they tend to lose money. money. Yeah. They lose more than what they actually put Speaking into it. Speaking of fucking losing, Fantastic Four <laughs> opened to a critically and financial disaster weekend last weekend. Now went down 69% on its second weekend. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's fucking terrible. It's, it's Did you notice on IMDb <laughs> the moment after the release, and even the own director tweeted that his mo- like he had a he had a vision for a film a year ago that you're not going to be able to see it, and that's just the reality of it. Some shit like that. But immediately after on IMDb, they admitted that the only reason they made this film was because if they didn't, they would have had to hand over the rights back to Marvel versus Marvel having to buy them. I th- there, there's been a lot of discussion on that. Um, at this point, the franchise is damaged, so a lot yeah. of people are just that's that's three that's three times in a row where you see a movie uh, fail, like not just financially but just critically, and people just don't really like it, and they're they're gonna go see it less and less. I think it would have been it's repairable if you hand it back to the right people. The one I think the only character I think that suffers the most is Doctor Doom because if there was anybody that could replace or challenge the Loki status of the Marvel universe would be Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom in the comic books plays an, a freaking invaluable role. He is just an unstoppable force and he's belittled and by the way it's been critiqued from the Fantastic Four movie, they wash him down to a two like a one-dimensional character that's just there to just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's well, that's terrible considering how much of an egotist this the the character is in the comic books that he speaks to himself but in third was, person. Yeah, but I was reading this um basically this blog from this one guy who's like a movie geek. I need to find out what he was, but he was he actually came up with like a point talking about this is actually like in more ways from the failed success of this film is damaging in multiple different ways. Especially he went on to the idea of um minorities playing superheroes. He oh, said yeah, this yeah. in itself, this film damaged the aspect of having minorities be superheroes. Yeah, oh yeah, because you just picked one character. Like if they both were were black, it would have had no fucking problem mm. with it. Like it would have been that would have been like a but just one person. Mm. You're just throwing in the the token black guy just just to throw it in. Just yeah. like we're diverse guys, and like one character is already CGI, and the yeah. other two are just going to be conveniently together. And it, and from what I've heard from the movie that they barely brushed on the idea of the romance because they were relying way too heavily that this movie was going to have a sequel. And because of that, they failed to, like... It was, I honestly believe that it was studio execs just making this film to make a film so they didn't have to give the rights back yeah. because movie-wise profit, comic book movie profits are fucking high. So paying for that kind of property would be ex- yeah. expensive. It would be well worth it for them to hold it. But will they do it again? Because it, if the next time comes around, they lose so much money, they might just have to let them yeah, take their the rights mom, back. Yeah. I'm. I mean, no one's gonna doubt that. That 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 is why they made the movie. Uh, but I. So I've read read a few stories that the director Josh Trank uh, was difficult, and there were extensive reshoots. And that there were a lot of problems. You can even see in the advertisement that the reshoots were un not matching. Like yeah. s- like especially. Uh, Katie Mara's hair, like you can yeah. notice it in in the mm-hmm. in it changes the color a couple yeah. times, yeah. Um, I mean, so we, we've talked about this before earlier in the podcast. Uh, I was personally excited. I, you know, the, the trailer again. Trailers are deceptive. Um, it looked like a good like sci-fi film. Yeah, it had, it had score. Actors were all great. You know, Whiplash, House of Cards. You know, and, and uh, 
uh, Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. There was the, there was potential for yeah. this movie to be awesome. Yeah, it, and uh, so I'm th- I don't I don't want to put it all on Josh Trank because he has made great. Fi- I mean, I I think. What do no, you guys think, uh, Chronicle? He made Chronicle. No, I said, what do you guys think of that? Oh, it's a beautiful film. It was yeah, awesome. I it was it. a different I, perspective. I, th- I thought it was a live action Akira. Yeah. I, you know, they're, they're going to make a live action Akira. I'm going to compare it to Chronicle when it comes out. And I, I personally, I might get shit for that. I don't know. Yeah, um, you will for me. <laughs> you know, no, it's. I think. I think it's. I really liked it. I really liked Chronicle a lot. I did too. I yeah. I saw it uh, like a year or two after the fact because I saw too many people were giving it hype, and I it was in a time where too many people gave too much hype for a movie. I was going to be in skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how I feel about um. Uh, straight out of Compton. <laughs> so we'll 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 we'll, we'll get. To that's that. why I stopped. I we'll, did. We'll, we'll we'll get to we'll yeah. get to um. Okay, well, let's move on. So, so that was. This was Fantastic Four. Did really bad. It's gonna be forgotten next week. I, I mean, I don't know. I'll be surprised if, if theaters are gonna be still circulating it. It's just taking up space and time. Oh yeah. It's, it, no if it's doing, it. it, yeah. doing as terrible as it is, it might just get rid of early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. Let, let's go to the last bit of news, and then we'll move on to our, our segment villains. Uh, Colin Trevorrow is uh, set to direct uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. Boo. Boo. Anthony, opinions? So Colin Trevorrow, uh, for, for, the, for those at home that don't know, uh, directed Safety Not Guaranteed and Jurassic World. See, I haven't seen Safety Not Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So I can't judge on that one. I'm so I can't that. judge on that. I know you're judging it based on The Lost World. Boo. <laughs> Which I told Oscar. Yeah. He, he, also, he also co-wrote uh, Jurassic World, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So Boo. <laughs> I told Oscar before that we started this podcast is I rewatched the Lost I mean no, not the Lost Word, um Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. I find it a little bit better than what I thought about it the first time. From different aspects and different themes that they played on, which I never picked up the first time. I still don't think it deserves like, you know, the whole budget of how much it made and everything. But in a sense I'm happy I, for Universal, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> but in a sense, I do have like certain things that I did pick like up what? that I did like. Well, I told Oscar and I thought about the themes between the relationship between, you know, Blue and, you know, Chris Bratt's character. I that thought was nice. that was the best developed between the whole romance scene with him and Bryce Dallas Howard and the kids that I didn't give a shit about. But I did enjoy the aspect between the relationship between Blue and, the, you know, the owner and the whole alpha male wolf pack type of thing. Which, in a sense, it did give away from the whole terror of raptors. But at the same time, it brought, like, a new kind of light thing where... Possibly the reptiles were intelligent. Exactly. That was the only cool aspect. I agree I with like you on that. this. I agree with you on this. Yeah. But the rest of the film is shit. Yeah, most <laughs> of it is shit. And most of it is just action-packed and everything. And then I did like the aspect of how, in itself, with the inevitability, nature took back what man created as it's a cool theme to play on that is that is what really got me the most where i never picked on the first time which you have these dinosaurs and this, the natural dinosaurs the natural took dinosaurs out took the out the fucking yeah, freak of sense. nature and brought it down to the the frankenstein monster yeah to the depths of the water you know just kind of only one i was disappointed at is that they showed that water monster who ended up saving their asses with mm-hmm. killing that creature yeah but no one emphasized they showed it twice that was it, not an exhibit, nothing like that. Was it? That that, that wait, was no, it. they showed it. Were you what? saying you liked that? You don't like that? I didn't like it. Like, well, it was... I liked it because it was unexpected. I want to. I want to. I want to say no. I want to yeah. say. I want to say. 
That, I'm that. sorry. If you're going to keep showing it throughout the entire film, mm. it's going to give away that this is going to be the finisher. The only way it gives well, you away know, is how about, they how, show cra- it crazy idea, crazy little. idea, crazy idea. What, what if you don't make it a Lucha Libre match in the end? <laughs> what if you don't make it uh, a, a Battle Royale? What if... That, what I'm, if not the battle, I'm not <laughs> no, 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 talking no, no, about the Battle Royale. I'm not talking about the Battle Royale. What if I'm you make that same, you make that same <laughs> point that, that nature trumps anything that we can try to out-trump that is already a perfection, right? Um you did that without doing a fight in the first one. You, it would have worked out better. That's I agree. Not true because I, the Raptors did face the T Rex. It's still that's still nature against nature, though. It is not a man. No, thing. he's talking they about all no, He's talking about specifically the T Rex versus the Dominus Rex. Is that oh, what you're talking that, about? That that bullshit macho. Yeah, dude, it was completely avoidable. It was yeah. complete. It, if you take that aspect away, you have the first film. Fine, leave it alone. Leave that's it alone. what I mean. That, that's yeah. why, that's it didn't exactly need that. Why that's why. When you guys tell I mean, me that this guy's going to direct Star Wars, I'm like, boo, because he added shit that was unnecessary. And the fact that you're telling me that but, he helped write this. But yet again, he did just produce the biggest film of all time. That's blockbusting. It'll make sense for why a the studio, studio, for a studio, the studio they're looking wise, at him, they're, they're going, this guy, this guy's good. He's good with the visual effects, like and he's DC good on... DC doing what they're doing with Marvel and playing it safe to a fucking formula. So again, I'm going to say, boo! Yeah, that's but most think about studios. This, but it's think about the direction. But it's Star Wars, guys. The only reason that you're having they a big issue. They didn't play it yeah. safe. That's but, what made it so fucking great. Yeah, but the thing is, you're having the concerns with... Um, Colin Trevorrow yeah. is because he co-wrote it. He had a writing aspect in this. Now imagine with Star Wars, where he has no writing aspect. He's just the he's, director. He's purely directing it. Visually Visual wise, aspect, he could pick that I up. Give that. Okay, as long as he ain't writing it, I still, I still, like oh, the writing team is what's <laughs> making me nervous because if you have a sh- shitty script, it's only going to get worse from there. Yeah, I'm sure the and writers you know for are, are being taken care of. Whoever continues after Abrams, they're going to go and consult to Abrams. I hope so. Right, Did so you guys see the pit, the poster that was made for the guy who traditionally makes the the Star Wars fo- uh, posters? The new one that is up. D twenty three happened, and, and yeah. they, a lot of information. Yeah, was Did you get, yeah. yeah. My friend Cynthia is at D twenty three, right? Yeah. <laughs> did you see the poster? I did not. I did not. I'm trying. I'm trying to do with Star Wars. I'm just. I, I mean, I already know I'm going to see it. Mm-hmm. I already saw that trailer. I already saw Chewie were home. I I, I'm I, I agree I'm with not, you. I'm not. I don't want to watch any more advertising. Yeah, I don't want. No, I don't crazy. want to see that either. I don't want to see anything. No, I it want to see the poster. It, it, you know it gives why? away a detail. Because I have okay. a big yep, issue okay. with movie posters nowadays, and they lose that artistic finesse. How original movie posters used to be. Now it's just trash. It's been. It's been even because the original guy that did the the remakes for the old ones with the nice looking like artistic, they are criticizing the shit out of it, but it does reveal a detail. It reveals which one of them is going to be the Jedi. Well, it's going to be the black well, guy. Yes, it is. Well, well, yes. <laughs> 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 Called it. Called it. You're going to see it in the posters anyway. <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Oscar. Villains. Emphasis on villains. <laughs> villains are. Uh... So what is I a villain? On it. Okay, between, can no, we okay. ask? Can I ask this one question? What is it? Were you honestly? Like, I, was, I was honestly <laughs> hoping that it was, yeah. was going to be the chick. I would have loved. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I would have loved that to have seen a female, yeah. like not like it, I would have loved to see a female lead. No, because my idea is, you know, that female lead is going to be somewhat related to already the main characters who are from past. I like the idea of having this fresh character came out from nowhere, starting to make this rise up, where you're actually getting a new character, I like that. no one who's tied to the Skywalker solo family. You have this yeah. new fat character. 
That's what I like. I do like the idea because if he comes off as a fresh start, like from the dark side mm-hmm. to the then then realize that he actually has potential. Like this, uh, yeah. I, no, I'll give you that. Yeah. High five for that. I like that one. <laughs> Look at you guys. It's the uh, buzz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You just killed the we're audio. Gonna take, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to move on to our second segment, Villains. listener of that's another podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service right now i'm listening to the alchemist by paula coelho welcome back now we're on to our second segment villains we had we all had a little little break and we you know we did a little did Maybe a little I just time. wish my villain <laughs> <laughs> i just talked about revan so much <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's let's start off with uh, well, who wants to go first? Well, let's go with you because you already kind of talked about yeah. yours a little bit. You mentioned Kyle. it before I the break. Two. two. Oh. You should put the well, mic you, to you. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry about this, guys. I'm I'm the buzz is setting in. Uh, I talked about two. I mean, well, one half. Uh, one of them was Gollum, and uh, I love Gollum from Lord of the Rings. And first off, Andy Serkis is fucking awesome. Just want to throw that out there. Mm. But Gollum was more of like a an addict like you almost wanted to root for him that he was going to be like that scene where he has a conversation with himself and he says go away and never come back like you were almost like you were rooting for this guy like after like it the ring preserved his life unnaturally yeah and you were just like holy fuck if if he can do it Frodo can do it fuck yeah but he couldn't and that was the beautiful part of him and and it just tried Exactly, yeah. like, like that, that struggle, that, that internal villain, that that. that, that what I can't stand is the one-dimensional villain aspect, where it's just like they're evil for the sake of evil. Like it was one of those no things. Like he wasn't just a, a villain to the main protagonist, but he was a villain to himself. Exactly, yeah. he was. He was his. Look at own that! Worst I like that. Enemy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's pretty good. It was. It was. It. It. It was just. It was just that he. He. He fought not only his surroundings but himself, and 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 when he had been surrounded by so much distrust and paranoia like it just it was inevitable for his downfall and 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 people could manipulate that because he not only didn't he didn't believe in in the people around him but he didn't believe in himself i also like the the comparison you make to him being like an addict because he does have He's a strong little guy. He's a tough little son of a bitch. He has like that meth strength. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Like, like he was tortured in the first Lord of the yeah. Rings movie. He survived. Went, found these two hobbits. Like chased them around. Like I don't know if anybody thought about this, but during that whole thing, while they're in like the 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 mines of Moria, like how the fuck did Gollum survive? <laughs> like no one even yeah. like no one noticed him at all. Yeah. Like he. Like, well, I think it's like the same thing. Oh, a little meth addict. No one bothered him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like, oh, leave, it, leave that thing out there. <laughs> he's, he's already weird enough. <laughs> I think he's talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. that, I, I, that was just like, like he has the survival instinct that is, like, mm-hmm. admirable. But at the same time, he just wants what he wants. Like, yeah. he, he, he's creepy about it, too. And, and, and completely okay with being what he is now. And I, I love that as a villain aspect. 
another villain um, I do love is uh, is like the Joker. The Joker, uh, the, the specific one, or uh, he Ledger. He's Ledger chaos Joker. for for not for the sake of chaos, but because that is just what the anarchist. Yeah, this this is what I am. Like, if you want me to be what I am, this is what I am. Like, I I'm I'm here to to show you just how petty what you all care about is. Because one of those for a Joker would be one of mine, but I will have to say the best version I truly do love and respect of the Joker would have to be the Arkham Asylum game series of Joker. I'll give you that. This was a Joker who believed a special... It wasn't like the whole Antichrist thing. He was psychotically messed up. I always liked the psychopath Joker more than anything else because of what he shares with the bond with the main protagonist. I mean, that's why we love these villains is with their bond with the protagonist and what they have the relationship with. Joker's mind is he believes to his heart and core that Batman has made him and he has made Batman. He believes they're base. He sees them two as basically a married couple that they'll always be doing this till a test of time. They cannot exist without each other in some form. He's in love with Batman of who he is to the point that he would do nothing at all to push Batman to his limits, but let Batman be himself at the same time. Let him be the menacing Terry that he is. One part that I want to point out is during the Arkham Knight series, I mean the Arkham Knight, was he basically this this kind of thing where, I mean, it's like a psychological mind thing, but it kind of gives his relationship of how he is, but... He was basically torturing Jason Todd and then telling Jason Todd who Batman's identity is. Right before Jason Todd actually tells him, he shoots him. And it's like, why are you going to ruin the fun for me? That's my point. Like, like there's, there's a certain level of chaos to the Joker that is just, like, it's just, I'm going to do this because I can. It's one of those things, like, I enjoy a villain where I can't understand. So, so for you specifically, uh, a villain, the bad guy, mm-hmm. quote unquote, is the one whose motivation you just can't pin down. Yeah, exactly. It's like we've been so used to fed with human psychology and all this stuff that mm. and we try to create we there was always reason and we always try to contemplate the reasons and we try to act like we know we understand everything. Mm. But we come with this unstoppable force that we can't understand. That's what I love about it. Mm. It's like for the first time the human consciousness in a film cannot really understand the motives or the reasons. It's just it's there. And no matter how hard they try, a, uh, you're never going to understand it. Ishigur. We yeah. want to understand to feel comfortable. That way, if we felt comfortable with We don't feel threatened. We don't feel threatened. Or something that we know we can stop. Or we know, like, but the ones that you don't understand are the ones you fear the most because I think it was in Batman Begins, you always fear what you don't understand. Exactly. Huh. Um... So for myself, there's uh, so you, so you guys are picking uh, and I'm sure there's more. In, uh, Mine was different though. Yeah, that wasn't the, those were the two, his. like well, the well, addict and well, the. And well, let's the... keep going. This kind of there's, okay. I mean, there's a lot of good villains. Let's just kind of bounce. Um, I'm gonna give one of mine. I have like a, a list here. All right, I'll give my next. Um, so this one's just there's some that kind of line up with with what you guys are saying, and this one is uh, just for the sake of argument, the opposites. So this one's Noah Cross. Uh, the main villain from Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Now, for the majority of the movie, you don't know it's him, uh, and that's part of his his menace is that 
you don't really see him. He is a person that hides. And um, I mean, the movie is a noir, so it is a conspiracy. So he is the kind of guy who is very shadowy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you learn his nature, um, you do know his motives, and it's not scary because you don't understand him with this guy in any ways in particular you are scared of him because you know exactly what he wants and that's a, a child that he wants a child and that's what he mm-hmm. he wants to uh, take advantage of her and that he has done that before with his daughter and that he's just sick you know like i mean like you can you can get it but not really i mean you like while you personally can't put yourself in his shoes yeah you can still see the reasoning like it's not it's not really a complicated uh, explanation other than that he's just a sick man uh he's a he's a manipulator so he manipulates the city for the water he so manipulates almost like the moriarty types the ones that play behind the scenes the ones that you knew a little like that a little mine. different but that was mine a little di- oh okay <laughs> well well let's just segue to that let's just let's let's talk about moriarty so what is it about anthony what what is it about moriarty i like like I said, the master manipulator, the puppet master, the one who oh, pulls yeah. the strings. But at the same time, it's in a sense is, like I said, I'm going to keep going at this is a protagonist is not as great as the villain as the villain is not as great as the protagonist where so they need each other. So you like them at odds. I like them at odds. And I like the fact that this is an intellectual battle. This is an intellectual person. Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty are like complete polar opposites but the one thing they have is a similar level of intellect like exactly it's, it's, so their intellect yeah. is basically the battlefield yeah they mess with each other they toy with each other they play with each other's minds and they test each other and I love a villain who uses smarts over brawn that's what always gets me and I always like the idea of what can I do to not just kill this person but to completely and utterly defeat him make him give up all hope before I throw in the final blow, you like to make make them mentally anguished. To the exactly, point where they're, they're, they they don't even want to try. Exactly. Well, I think I think most good villains do that, anyways. I think yeah, the ones true. that don't are, are the ones that. But are this lacking. is a villain that doesn't even pick up a gun, not even a knife. He mm. just sits there and you lets like the chess things. Player. I like the chess player. I like it where he knows exactly the plan, what happens to get where he needs to go to make his protagonist the super hero suffer well i guess i guess now's a good point just to ask you guys uh what is it that you would call a villain like if you, if you had a if you had a self-destructive self-destructive almost to the point where it's just like it's almost a thrive for attention like it's 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 like with more already it's like the subtle hints like he requires the antagonist attention where it's practically screaming to only that one person exactly and it, and it's like like hidden within the fine details like batman and joker joker and batman have an intimate relationship where he can notice that joker is evolving that it's not as as simple as Joker likes everybody else to believe, that's what he wants you to believe. See, but it's yeah. the it's the fine details where the antagonist has that intimate relationship with uh, the protagonist that makes it so dynamic. If you have that level of vulnerability together, it just it creates a bond that's that's like almost borderline pure yeah. hate. And that's where I'll get it on too, because especially is you have these certain you know villains and comic books and stuff like that in cartoons where their main end goal is either you know rule the world or destroy and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I rather enjoy villains who have a 
personal stake with the protagonist themselves. What do you mean by personal stake? Where they have an impersonal emotion, like they're driven. It's almost like an obsession where I want to see this person hurt or I just want to toy with this person or I just want to, you know, do whatever with this person where their sole focus may seem big, but it's so simplistic to the fact that their only attention is on one person. Mm. So you kind of see this ongoing relationship where it builds up, where you have these two forces going at it rather than just, oh, this guy's evil, but we need to save the world. He doesn't know us. He doesn't care about us, but, you know, we just need to stop him because we're doing the right thing. When you have the personal connection, it gives more to the protagonist on why he's doing what he's doing to stop this person. There's a personal stake. There is personal relationship where he questions himself. Can I stop this person? And if I really want to stop this person, because it's the only person who can really challenge me. And that's why I felt with Moriarty is you see that coming out in Sherlock Holmes where he's enjoying it. Mm. He's enjoying being challenged by this terrible person and he's not used mm. to it. And it's questioning his own sense of morality, and his own sense of being is does he really need this person to be who he is? And I think that with these relationships, it brings it onto a psychological level rather than just a physical level of this guy needs to be stopped. Uh, so yeah, my, my definition of, of a villain isn't too, too far off from what you guys are saying. Mm. Uh, uh, before, before I say the villain, uh, the preface would be that, so I, I've spoken about this before where I think stories should matter and they shouldn't just be for the sake of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, they can be entertaining, but I think they should say something mm. that, um, mm. a villain says something, a hero says something, these things matter. And it's an interpretation from, uh, the writer. So a villain for me is, I agree with kind of what you guys are saying, where it's one that is at odds mm -hmm. of, the, of the hero. Uh, imp the important thing would be that uh, under different circumstances, the, the villain would have been the hero. But it's the hero gone down a shadow path yeah. under shadow traits like a... Uh, kind of like while we're talking about psychology, kind of like the Carl Jung notion of archetypes, there's the shadow archetype. So you can be the brainy type, but you can be the shadow archetype, but that would be the, uh, you know, the guy who's running the conspiracy instead of the guy who's cracking down the conspiracy. So in Chinatown, you got the guy who's smart enough to figure it all out, but then at the other end is the guy who's putting it together. Putting yeah, it, yeah, the guy who's setting it up. And, uh, I'm just going to plug another one that's probably a better example of, of, uh, of, of this, this idea of the villain for me is uh, Smith, Agent Smith uh, in The Matrix. So I know over time that um, that franchise has kind of been a little, you know, a little jaded because of the, the sequels. Yeah. I think the sequels are a little underrated, but that's another podcast. But you have this Agent Smith, though, who yeah. at some point is like a sentient being who wants to show his own existence. Well, you see, they, this one, this one kind of gets uh, not only psychological, but philosophical. They're at philosophical odds, where Neo, his entire philosophy, and he is the physical embodiment of free will and trying to change your own fate mm -hmm. and be what you want to be and not need to follow rules. You can literally bend things, manipulate things. Uh, while Smith, um, in the first film, is at com the contrast. He is the man who um, is following the rules. He does this. And that eventually, and then this is explored further in the sequels. Is part of the reason why I think they're a little underrated. Is where you have. I agree with this. I'll let you go. But I want. 
in the I'm like already <laughs> you're already like fuck you Kyle no 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 just I, I want to see where you're going with this okay. and then we'll see if it makes sense but so I would, in the first film the main the main aha for the audience that's the lesson in the story is the same story as any other any other hero overcoming the world is that uh, that life is hard and that you can overcome it and then you can change things but it's without you know not without a price so that's you know but in a very literal way it's like you know what you can get out of the nine to five or you can get out of this or you don't have to follow certain society rules you could do whatever you want to do you know you could you could be you um the allegory in the cave yes and then you can yeah so i mean it's so the first one people praise it enough and there's a lot of a lot of depth in, in that philosophy um the the second and third one uh we you know we have this villain again um, so, um, so I don't want to drift too much in the movie, but more stay on the villain. Uh, with Smith, once again, we, we encounter him, but now he is free. And at the end of the movie, part of the struggle was that he was, uh, he was a program that is following rules, but he was compelled to escape, and he was compelled to disobey the rules. Um, so it's explored further that it's not... So in the first movie, it's just the guy who follows the rules and the guy who doesn't follow the rules. So that, that was the odds for the, for the majority of the movie. It's just these agents versus Neo. Uh, later on, where, you know, that, that is something you could kind of go, well, I mean, Smith got out of it. And then second and third one, we have him uh, uh, explore further why he did it. And we, we come to learn that he was just compelled to do it, that he just had to do it. That's what he needed to do. Um, he didn't decide it. He just did it. So this is at odds with Neo, where a guy who's saying that he's, he chose to get out. And we have Smith who's saying, no, no, the world is deterministic, and we were supposed to fight. And you were supposed to, I was supposed to shoot you, and you were supposed to come back. I made you, you know, um, and you made me. You know, because, because he, when he killed him, when he did that whole, I don't know what the fuck he did at the end of the number one, but <laughs> the whole exploding thing. Deleted uh, his file. Yeah, he just deleted his file. <laughs> he just threw him in the trash. Um, <laughs> Just fucking garbage. Anyways, it's uh, bin. <laughs> just a fucking little bin. Uh, so he, um, oh, done. <laughs> so when he did that to him, he set him free. And uh, so it basically, you're exploring the same idea that uh, the villain is the is the complete odd, the 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 other side of the coin, the the yang to the ying uh, of the hero. The hero's journey is to understand himself and find himself. The villain. Um, is to sway him it's it's the it's the devil to the to the god right or, or the, the christ or or um the i'm trying to think of other other it's in it's in myths it's in it's in uh religions it's in it's in various stories where you always have this opposite end of these two battles right good and evil good and evil yeah so i guess there's a long-winded way of saying that for me smith is one of my favorites because it's just, just pure and simple it gets down to the philosophy of it where it's just like i believe that the world is deterministic while you believe the world is determined by by will you know who track mistake it wasn't was vaguely on it but mine was that there there is no purpose there there is just it is just a matter of function there's it's it's kind of it's that's what see because i picked up on that with the whole first part but i believe is i think it expanded more on that than just the good and evil i believe that first one went straight to that but i believe it was this kind of this master student kind of relationship in the sense where after the second one where he became this free program, it felt like yeah. more of Agent Smith wanted to be Neo afterwards. He wanted to master Neo's arts of being free and everything since he is now free. 
but since he is not at the same level or he's like a failed attempt, he never reached that kind of arc of being truly free as how Neo was. Well, I think That's why I picked up after that. Well, yeah, I got something totally different where I felt that he, and I think he even says it, where he doesn't think, he's like, we're, we're not here because we're free, we're here yeah. because we're not free. Yeah. I, I think... Um, because at the end, I mean, you see him making copies of himself, but I yeah. think it was the, I think the storyline of Agent Smith of himself was this full rule follower who follows the ground rules. Mm. The second one is he's this free program who wants to be like Neo, wants to be free, wants to be open. And the third one coming to realization that he can't be Neo. So let's make Neo into him with the, making the fucking copies and everything where he's like, you know, I can't be him, but let me create my own art and my own self-awareness, my own self by making the person I want to be into me. I, I still disagree where I think it still falls under the deterministic philosophy that everything is under control and everything will be under control if I eliminate the one variable, the thing that is not under control, the guy who thinks he has free will. If I eliminate him, my philosophy will be true, which is essentially what anyone does, which what we're yeah, doing yeah, right yeah, now yeah, is yeah. Uh, when, when someone disagrees with you, what do you try to do? You try to defend your causes and yeah. Either by force, seduction, or some other ways of convincing. Mm -hmm. you, you know, that, that's art. It's, yeah. it's seduction, right? Um, I always thought as, 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 as Agent Smith there's no purpose. There is no purpose. Like when he gets the very grittiness of it, when he's facing you, he's all, why? Why do you persist? Why? There is no why. There is no... I, I think you, you, that you kind can, of reminds you, me of Justice League, you Crisis can, on Two Earths, Owl Man. Kind of, yeah. It's, where, it's, 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 it's the point. I was like, That's why I should have said perfect villain, Owl Man. Mm -hmm. there, there, like to him, there was no... There, there was no alternative without, without like his philosophy was sound, and and it, and it, because it is so sound, it, it, it being illogical versus logical, it doesn't make sense. You're, you're, you're acting without purpose. You're just acting, and with Neo, it was like it's my choice to act. Yeah, it, that is my purpose. It is to act. It is to 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 cherish. Exactly. To, to have. To be grateful. But Which bugged the shit out of him. Yeah, he's like he, he has when, he, when he asks him gratitude. That. Like mm -hmm. it even goes back to the first one yeah. where he's talking to Morpheus. He's all, "I want to get out of here. I yeah. want out of this cage." Like he's, it's like yeah. he, you could. I agree with you that there is sentience. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that that he is the he is the opposite. He is the rule, rule follower. But when he got the ability to not follow rules, he wanted. To I think he wanted to create them, but he, he wanted to set the standard work. There was not. It was just nothing. Pure order, just just peace. And his version of peace was a ceaseness. If it's just him, yeah. But what, what what I'm, I, I think I'm just gonna be I'm being repeating myself here. But I feel like um, both the actions on both their part are under their own understanding. One is that one action is predetermined. So him trying to have uh, complete control by putting everything in control. Which sounds like a weird paradox. I mean, the movie is is it's is like Agree. it's one yeah. of the it's like any philosophy where it's like when you kind of try to break it down, it becomes a paradox. Yeah. Um, and then Neo, I think there's even at one point where it kind of like negates the free will when you're talking to the Oracle and he, she's saying that you already made the choice. And he's like, well, if I already made the choice, you know, yeah, that you are born with. Uh, this is my interpretation that you are born with your your innate desires and that your intention. Is what guides your choices. So you're you're just to understand them. Yeah, that's so that, that's her explanation. But, be, but be, like, uh, this is see. This is why I really like the the, the, the second. Philosophically, that, that trilogy is fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, all three of them. I mean, like, there's 
problems in two and three that that first one didn't really have to deal with but i think it's because you already had the arc of the hero in the first movie Mm -hmm. and in the two and three it's where they got kind of experimental with with these other kinds of philosophies like we've already seen savior like versus versus hero like yeah so yeah the first one we have we already have uh the story of uh of the christ of the beowulf of the hero's journey and then two and three it's more like what, what what is it what is the philosophy of, of um of the world and what is it that makes it work it's like a philosophy digging within a philosophy yeah i mean and then i mean you know the wachowskis are, are down like the rabbit they're lost in the rabbit hole at this point um, so with cloud <laughs> yeah, atlas yeah. cloud yeah. atlas you know it's yeah. like they're just really just going down this thing uh sense have you guys seen that i've seen a couple episodes of that. i've heard I good things it. about it like like uh, the filming aspect of it i heard was really really cool and simplistic i yeah i don't know if i'm going to revisit it or not i, I first two episodes it's interesting but i don't know if it's like enough to hold yeah but um i'm, I'm gonna cut myself off is there another villain that you guys think or, or is or do you guys want to expand on your definition of I mean, what a villain is like i said the only thing i wanted to like point out was just the thought process so have you seen crisis on infinite earths uh that's with Owlman. yeah uh yes i loved okay. him he so was, james wood's voice james wood okay basically the concept of what happens with owl man mm-hmm. is this idea where he discovers and understands the true meaning of the multiverse mm-hmm. you know multiverse mm-hmm. you know you create one action a different universe is going to create another reaction of that mm-hmm. so he came to the conclusion that nothing matters because mm-hmm. no matter what he does there's going to be another one of him to create the opposite action within another universe mm-hmm. He kind of felt like it was a sense of being a puppet on the strings of this entire universe. So he came to the idea and the realization that he needs to destroy everything within it to really create a real action out of himself. It was kind of like a self-worth type of thing where he needed to prove Anything that his action is his own and is not manipulated by endless stream of universes creating another action of what his own was. It sounds... Um <clears throat> So in a, in a less sci-fi way, but kind of like philosophically, again, this kind of the same thing as, um, you guys remember The Departed? Costello? Yeah. He's like, I, w- I want to be a product of my environment. I don't want to, I don't, you know. Yeah. Or I, was, I want my environment to be a product of me. Exactly. And not, it was one of those things yeah. where, I mean, you see these type of villains and sometimes, you know, when they're getting big, mm-hmm. beat, they waver from their ideals or goals. Yeah. But you have this character who no matter what will never waver. He'll never falter from what he Steel. truly plays him. And even till the end where he's about to die, and he had the power to live. He had the power to stop and that he said, bomb. It doesn't matter anyway. And then he was like, "It doesn't matter because there's another version of me who will stop this bomb to save my life." Right. It was. It was just pure understanding of of himself. Of he hit a, of the he, universe. He, hit a he had of true understanding. Yeah. Of the he was. Universe. He was the master of Zen. Like he to the point where it like. He was, he was as the Buddha you says, couldn't upset him. Yeah. You couldn't temper with him. You couldn't like because he understood yeah. that since there's a multiverse, there's other versions of him that so, will do the complete opposite or do something else. Like when he went up against Batman, he understood so, that there it was in his nature. Yeah. To so fight even during when he was fighting Batman, he realized you know at some point in another universe, I already beat you, and another universe you this already. This character beat is me. named Owl. Owl Man. Owl Man. All right. So this is okay. So and this is in DC. So we fight. Yeah, Batman? DC. Uh, okay, animated so, it's called I think Crisis on Infinite Earths mm-hmm. okay so I have uh, and I'm sure there's people at home um, who ha- haven't heard about Owlman uh, but it's it's interesting so so I'm looking at this so we each, each kind of <laughs> so we have we have some parts where we line up and then there's some parts where we kind of differ a little bit yeah. but um, it's kind of interesting because I'm kind of coming at this a little bit like 
the philosophy and then the symbolism of what a villain is. Uh, and, and his name's Owl Man, and at least in mythology, an owl, for the most part, re uh, represents knowledge and understanding. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, so even then, uh, have you guys seen uh, the, the the Airbender series that was on Nickelodeon? Oh yeah. Yes, yes the, the library, library scene. scene yeah. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the owl, yeah. Yeah. And how it's not really bad, but it's not really good. You know, it's just understanding. It's, it's just, just it just annoying. wants knowledge. It just and that's where the thing is. Yeah. I I truly enjoy a villain. I mean, I do love, like, the pure, pure evil villains, but I also do love villains who are just, like, mm -hmm. you can't question if they're really bad or not. It's just one the gray. idea. The is, gray is the best one. The gray is so the you, best So you, you prefer the grays? Well, I, I, like I said, I love pure evil ones. Yeah. Either for me, I don't like really reason behind it. I love either pure evil or the gray, morally gray ones, where it's questioning, you know, he's not really bad, but the real badness is he has a different idea than the protagonist. Okay, and then and then Kyle, do you agree or do you have or do you prefer the gray? Do you like both or just the gray? This will lead into my uh, my what's on the mind a little later, but okay. I love the ones where they're completely relatable, where where their mindset is not too far off what would be normal. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one down that I think you might dig, and we talked about this before the podcast, Anthony, but uh, Will uh, Will Fisk. Marvel Daredevil. Marvel Daredevil Will Fisk. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You understand the motivation. You understand. It's like, do do the means justify the end? Like the ones that are pursuing a similar end, mm -hmm. but go about it in a not in an unethical way. Like it, it's like, does it really matter? And it, and the end is like, do you, is is your humanity worth the end result? Like if one man had to kill someone. To get to the to the end result of peace, does that man do it or does he not do it? I yeah. love that great action. I go from a completely different standpoint where I just I love not understanding. Like I love seeing like a complete psychopath like torture and murder these people, then afterwards just fucking like jerk off out of pleasure from it. Like, like, like I no, I get you, I get you. Because there's, 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 the, there's that random aspect that that that. Not, not everything requires reason. Exactly. Wait, you know, let's let's throw. So we, we we talked about animation. We talked about movies. But there are there's another one that kind of kind of lines up with what you're saying, Anthony. Um. Uh. So we have the Glados, who is very calculating and very, mm -hmm. you know, once kind of she's the Smith. How do I feel like you're ready to go to half to Portal in the Half Life oh, series? On, on. So so we got so we got. Um. <laughs> uh, See, the, I don't think listeners know, but yeah, I'm, I'm like obsessed with. I don't play video games and I don't uh, look at comics, but the things that I'm obsessed with it's are Valve. Valve. <laughs> Anything by Valve, I'll devour. Um, I'll buy a new console if that's like the only thing they'll do. You know, they're not. They're, they're going to put it on PC and I'm, I'm just. I'll upgrade my computer to play their games. <laughs> um, anyways, that, that's a whole other podcast. That's another podcast. With, uh, so GLaDOS is essentially the Smith, right? Mm -hmm. A villain to the. the to um, uh, to you, the the player who is trying to mm -hmm. break free. You are trying to, and it, and it, you could kind of take that whole thing meta, where it's like you're playing a game that is already predetermined, but you're trying to break free. You're trying to, yeah. to change it, and you you have all these possibilities with these portals. Uh, but and then it kind of gets a little philosophical. It's like, well, does it, did you really do anything? Did you really escape? You know. Mm -hmm. Um, again, that's another podcast. <laughs> but uh, it brings us straight to the Matrix trilogy. Like, did he really? Escape? Yeah, he still did. Just because he released himself from the Matrix, he was still bound to its fate. But okay, but but this is so that so that's that's for Portal One. That's Glados. Mm -hmm. Portal Two. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, so you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So you have this uh, smart, rational, uh, completely controlling uh, GLaDOS, and then out of random, out of chance, you have uh, chaos introduced by having something that is so stupid. And it's just so <laughs> it is. Uh, you have uh, Whitley, yeah, uh, who is so stupid, so dumb. You can't predict him, not because of of just. Not, not because of any menacing philosophy, just because it's so dumb. It's and so dumb. You can't it's predict just, you can't what it's going to do. It. You can't predict them. Because he, and he's trying to be bad, but he, he's being evil for different reasons. Uh, yeah, so he's, uh, so he's a little different. So he, in some ways, uh, Whitley is, is, uh, is very close to, uh, I'm trying to look up the, his name's Sugar, right? Sugar? I don't think it's Sugar. I don't think so. And uh, you know what I'm talking about? No Country for Old Men? Bowl Cut. Oh, uh, a natural force. Just, just, just no, just, but he has a name. Uh, he has a name. The name. Uh, Anton Sugar. Yeah, Sugar. Yeah. Oh, Sugar. I'm calling him Sugar. Sugar. Uh, Sugar with with a C and H. Yeah. So you have. Um, so he is not a Whitley. He there is. Well, I don't know. What, what do you guys think of Sugar? I always I, thought of him as a force of nature. Yeah, it was a force of nature. Any motives whatsoever other than self-interest. And then after a certain point, like, I think it was Woody Harrelson that said it best, like, he'll kill you just for just for inconveniencing him. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's um, a little more than that, just a pinch. I think he is uh, kind, of, kind of like the Joker where he is, he is a straddler. He straddles on the line between um, you, don't really, you don't really know what he's going to do. And that he is going to, um, on a whim, decide whether or not he's going to kill you. Not because you're, yeah. So maybe inconvenience. I don't but know. I don't know about whim because he, the the whim, the whim gets diminished by the coin toss. No, the coin toss is all that. The coin toss is just pure chance. He is he is physically showing him that it is chance that is letting you live. Because um, on a philosophical level, oh yeah, the coin was the yeah. one that led him to there. Yeah, on a and that brings you back to your idea of force of nature. This coin is the nature of your life. Yeah. When I flip this, it's all about chance. There's yeah. no good. There's no bad. There's no reason. There's no logic. It's just by chance. I guess you know. I will give you that. That uh, makes sense. So, because philosophically they disagree, uh, he he makes that that noise when he says, uh, "It's like, well, you know, that he married into it." He, he's like, he's like, oh, "You married into it," you know. <laughs> when he uh, when he says that it was his uh, his wife's father's gas station, he just you know, mm-hmm. you know, he just got it. So. Um, I don't know. So I think, like, if it was philosophically, he would have chose to kill him just because he was a waste. But it was by chance that you know what he gets to live another day. Keep that coin. It's 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 a lucky coin. You know. Mm-hmm. You know? I love I, I love that scene. Yeah. That's the most uncomfortable scene in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah. So I mean, we kinda, uh, this is a pretty meaty discussion. I feel like we got we got we went through a gambit. Yeah. Villains are fucking awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah. heroes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marvel. You need to start working on your villains. Well, Seriously, Marvel. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, but um. I will defend the 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 William Fisk. That one I feel like is. Um, I'll give you that. He's, 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 that. he's closer I'm to gray. I'm excited for their 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 Netflix cinematic universe. I'm kind of with yeah. uh, like TV shows. Yeah. yeah, Jessica Jones with uh, uh, what is it? William Tennant or something? One who was playing Doctor Who and then he's playing the villain for purple as Purple Man. Ah, uh, something Tennant. David Tennant. Okay. David Tennant. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If I don't know that means anything, but no, it looks interesting. Like they're 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 the Netflix storyline is giving a little bit more detail and depth into their character. I love that the fact that they didn't introduce William Fisk so early on. Yeah, well, I'm kind of interested in seeing the Luke Cage too. That one looks good too. Yeah, I mean we'll, we'll see. I mean like I feel like 
because for the most part like so we, we just spent like i don't know how long it's been like um 20 minutes or whatever 35 35 shit. so we so we, so we talked over half an hour about what we think makes a good uh villain and then i think from that at, at least me i'll i'll uh i'll i'll make the observation that and it's one that many people have made before is that the the marvel villains are just black and white they're just for the sake so it's one not, dimensional yeah very one dimensional mm. so they're so we're kind of going at at, at we're, we're kind of hitting some some uh, similarities. We have some pillars that, that are holding up these villains, but I mean, you can you can debate that one is chaos or that one has a philosophy or whatever. But then you have ones like in the Garden of the Galaxy where he's just no, he's just bad. You know, he's just, just, just a bad guy. Just, just because he's a bad guy. His dad's bad. He's just bad. You know, you, you can't even. It's not even deep enough where it's like no, he's bad because of his dad. You he know? was probably the weakest villain out of all of them. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, you got him. You got literally in Iron Man one where he just literally flips. He just becomes bad. This guy who supposedly I mean, there is still he was, there was, he was, he was, Oh, don't defend it. Do not defend it. Do not defend it. He's the one that in the beginning had them had them ambush him. He had motives from the very beginning. I, that it was I just mean, like, at least in the storyline to own a company that was yeah, a motivation. It was like a built-in hatred over years of development. They actually he had wanted. something. There was like a resentment to start there. Like, like to not just start the son. Like, but the Stark family. The, he did not like the father. And then the son, he hated even more because he just got all of this and took off. Like, like I, I. All right. Well, this is this is my humble opinion. I, f- I feel like it's. I feel like I like uh, I could see that. Like mm-hmm. I can I can I can gather that only if you're really looking for it. Because in the movie that I saw, I didn't really get that. I wonder if that's because Jeff Bridges is a lovable character, though. In general, it could be. It could be. Um, I feel like Jeff Bridges. Yeah, and that beard. Yeah, in his bald head. That was like, that looked pretty evil. You know what it is? Uh, when you have a beard and you have a shaved head, you're probably not going to be the best guy. I'm thinking like Ex Machina. You know, uh, <laughs> every time you have a, a big beard and just shaved head, you're, you're probably fuck Oscar. After I get out of the military, that's all I'm going to be is a beard, beard and fucking bald head. <laughs> I know I'm going bald. I'm not, then I'm not going to go at odds with you. I will. <laughs> yeah, look at that laugh. He's already has it. He has it ready. He has it ready. Um, I think so. I think we can move on. We can cut that segment. That I feel. I feel pretty good about yeah, that yeah, one. That was good. I feel like. That's I feel good. like we all. We all learned something about our our little views here. You know. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move on to our third segment. What's on the mind? So uh, who wants to go first? Anthony, Kyle. Uh, so you guys saw the images of filming, right? Filming a couple nights ago at the green screen. The I did, I did see the, the Mission Impossible. Yeah, I the saw rig. It, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. If anyone yeah. hasn't seen it, check out check out uh, Next Journey. Is it was it on Next Journey or was it Adrian's? That was on Next Journey. Yeah, check it out. So, on, yeah, check, yeah. Out, check it out on the Next Journey Facebook. So you saw how like awesome yeah. and pretty like badass. Look, did I you see this? Okay, so we had um, Colton dangling on a rope and a harness to do a Mission Impossible scene in front of a green screen. This was two nights ago. Nice. So he's gonna pull it up, but it's actually like the first like real legit like greens because we're not too f- used to working with green screen because mm-hmm. we're using you know, we're more practical effect yeah kind of guys. So this is the first time we're like really like heavily heavily working with green screen for the set and everything, and it was pretty amazing like just the rig that we set up and everything to have this to have Colin just dangling around and doing all the motions that he needed to do in front of a green screen. I want to see this on my. It was so awesome. Hold on. No words. We talked about you so much, Oscar, and how much we missed you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What happened? You just need to come back to filming. <laughs> you just need to. 
Uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm back. thinking it's on Adrian. Our main motivation of trying to get the office and trying to get everyone paid is one of the motivations is trying to get you guys back. <laughs> it's like, we, we want that guy. We're like, we, we would talk about you. We're like, fuck, if Kyle's here, man, he's like spot on acting, getting all the shit. Like, we miss you guys so much. Yeah, oh, here we go. It's This is a... Uh, look at that. That's pretty legit right there. Look at awesome. that. More. So we even came up with our own formula of, of how we're doing this better. And... So that this is looks one of the things fucking like, awesome. I've been working a lot with Adrian, and mm. I've been throwing Adrian to be like a partner for the company and everything mm. to work more closely with him. We're buying new equipment. We got new LED lights and other stuff that we're trying to do more and pushing them more. Mm -hmm. But... We've really started focusing, me and Adrian really have been focusing on trying to like finesse the work progress of what we're trying to do. Filming those things with just me and Adrian just working by ourselves has been like, in trying to really like key in that finesse of actually working in production is, has been the most successful and most fluent workflow we've had. Mm. Where it was one of those things is, I knew what I wanted, and Adrian knew how to feed off of that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Adrian, I need this, 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 this. I need the rig up. I need the lights up there. I need to work in this. We got it done. And we got whole, you know how we used to do when we had time that we spent like, you know, some time trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. No, we knew exactly how the shots were going to be. We knew exactly how the camera placement was going to be. We knew exactly where we needed the lights and what we needed to do. So every time we're switching from scene to scene, it's literally within five minutes we're taking the next shots. Or early on, we... Nice. Early on, and this is just kind of like a reflection of looking at ourselves. Uh, early on, we were doing things kind of like on the fly. Yeah. And I think that's oh, part yeah. of the reason. And so now we're like really tying in on knowing exactly what we want and how we want to do it. And we finished that. We finished all the filmmakes that we need one scene with Mike, but within three different nights, mm -hmm. and each night we spent about two and a half to three hours filming. Hell yeah. Nice. So in the total, we finished that in nine hours. Nice. That's pretty good. That is good. And that includes the setting up beforehand, setting up the rig and getting the lights and everything, and then oh, getting the nice. harness attached to the ceiling and everything. So it's like uh, two hours, two and a half hours of filming? Yeah. So on the mind is excitement, basically. Cause it's excitement because I'm, I'm really yeah. enjoying this workflow. And then we were talking about, like, we need to get fucking Kyle and Oscar back in this <laughs> to see how amazing this new workflow is going. Well, and how like, like just once, once. like I was having my time where I was starting to like you know not like because we weren't filming so much and we, mm -hmm. the times we were filming it was taking so long mm -hmm. and I was starting to like lose like somewhat not much of a passion but like finesse momentum. Into my, momentum my filming so I was starting to lose lack of excitement for it mm -hmm. but since we started up with filming again it's just been mostly just me and agent we're basically like you know Cordo Digital just two guy doing it mm. filming nice. it We've been having more excitement and more like... You just feel good about it. Yeah, feel good about it. Just like, fuck yeah, let's keep this going. Keep going faster and better. Especially with the way with the podcast is going now. We're getting more followers. We're getting bigger in India. I don't know. India? Yeah. Like, that's 80%. Hello, India. Of, uh... Yeah, of our audience. That's crazy. 80%. What's up, guys? Well, I don't know. People, uh... Well, India does have a big movie. Yeah. yeah movie so I'm just like I'm seeing things pick up. We're getting more followers, getting more listeners and stuff. He's seeing the analytics on our reviews and everything. Mm -hmm. Like within two days, we've reached like I think like 112 percent past our usual analytics. Oh, just nice. for our last podcast of how much it grows. Huh. Well, I mean, 
Irregardless, personally, uh, my value out of this podcast is just, um, I, we, we talked about this last time, like, outside of the podcast, how many people can you really talk to about movies? Exactly. You know? Like, there's, you know there's people out there that's people that like movies. Not as much passion. With you two, it's, it's, it's always been, like, the, like, you know, at the level. Even when we disagree, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> because, because uh, and that, that kind of gets, like, at the root of, of, uh, of, I love conversation, you know what I mean? Like, just, just like, that conversation that it's the mental banter yeah mental yeah and verbal and stimulating like it, like an aspect i haven't thought about something guys sometimes you go to show light i'm like, uh, like i didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah no it's same like, and, and it's it's mutual sometimes you guys will, will raise a point or or you guys will oh this is kind of getting a little a little deeper at it but um uh, a good conversation if someone disagrees with you it will reinf- either reinforce your idea by defending it or, or weaken it because it's you have a a, a weak argument exactly. and it'll crack yeah. at it. So either way, I feel like I feel like conversation. We talked about this in the first season of the podcast when it was a video format with uh, with our old pal Anthony, and uh, where I feel like you you can you can get actual benefit from conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. So I've I've learned that I hated certain movies because of this conversation. I've learned that I love certain movies and or re- or reinforce that I love certain movies because of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's perfect. Like. That kind of banter, it helps you ground or fine-tune your beliefs or rethink or reevaluate them. Yeah, like sometimes you have a position, like I've had a position, uh, <laughs> well, I'm pretty stubborn. I think anyone who's listening to this, I think I think you guys will, oh, you're laughing at me, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just on one. <laughs> no, but, but like, but, but there's, there's, there'll still be moments no, where... It is perfect and it makes it, it makes it interesting, it makes it fun. Yeah, but there'll, there'll still be moments where when you say something out loud, you realize like that sounds stupid, you know? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you kind of go, all right, well maybe I'm trying to think of like something where, well, in your opinion, in in the run of the in these uh, in these 13 episodes, what, what's probably something for me personally? I'm not, I'm not saying like pick at you guys, but uh, something I said that you just couldn't really, you couldn't believe I was defending or whatever. Something that was just the, the thing. The you world. Yeah, that's what I was. That's the one I was thinking of. Like, it's not even Mad Max. It was World of World of really? War. War of uh, yeah. War of the Worlds. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that one. That one. Like the only scene that I, is the one we named off is is the that killing. Dakota, yeah, they're kind of killing. Killing. Covering your ears. Yeah, yeah, covering your ears. That's the only scene in that movie that I'm just like, that's like. Granted, I that what you described was a good scene, but as far as the movie itself, it sucked. Terrible. Yeah, I'm baffled. You guys are baffled. I think it's a good film. <laughs> well, well anyways anyways that's, I don't know that sounds really it's, it's, well, all, all, all I was trying to say was uh, you know I, I, I enjoy you guys and I enjoy these conversations mm-hmm. I, I thoughtly enjoy so I'm glad to hear it's doing good but if, even if it was I love that these podcasts are progressively getting longer <laughs> well they're getting I mean like in depth in more longer. in depth but yeah and then like to be honest most podcasts are around anywhere between an hour to three hours it's not on I mean, I don't. It's not unprecedented. Like, yeah, it's not of, yeah. But I love that when we originally started, we were planning these out back in March. We were just like, we were, we're setting this, like, like we should be able to be, manage to do this. And now, we've, now we've just gotten super comfortable with it. We're, yeah, we pre- pretty much doubled the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we well we started off um, having these very micro, very strict guidelines. Well, I, which I think is important because when we were establishing this, we were basing it off nothing. Well, well, not the guidelines. I'm talking specifically. Um, I mean, just going way back, way back to, to the beta, to the alpha of... Uh, oh, of this, my goodness. You know, we, we were... So the first recording ever uh, was just me and, and uh, Anthony Vincent at, a, at no. a It's a Grind. Oh, yeah, yeah. At a It's a Grind. Yeah. 
and uh, eventually we wasn't that just audio just audio yeah but eventually anyways we we're doing a bunch of tests there and uh i personally i liked those a lot more than the ones when we moved on when we did the video ones yeah. where i liked i i liked every conversation we had but what i didn't like was that it got cut off as soon as we were i felt like we were getting rolling and that you know our cameras would get hot because you know a DSLR. We had we had a time frame. We had yeah, thirty minutes. DSLRs so. can only record, gotcha. you know, for so long. And uh, you know, we had these lights on us, and then and just I feel like the nature of a microphone, uh, the conversation we're gonna have in front of these microphones. You know, it's like after I mean, like we're holding these microphones or we have these stands in front of us or whatever. But like you kind of just after a while you forget about it and you just talk yeah. naturally. Yeah. yeah. Instead of feeling like having lights and having a camera, it, it, I I think after a while you can get comfortable, but it's it's not the same. You know. Mm. Yeah. So, so which format of all the I'm talking about all the podcasts that we've done with the Alpha with Anthony's, the Alpha yeah. with me, this Anthony, yeah. you know, our first video alphas, and then yeah. that's true. One. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there was there was an even earlier yeah, where there was we did the, just straight up movie review. we did the straight up movie reviews. Yeah, uh, we're here. We're kind of doing. Well, I kind of like I, I like. Um, and granted, I mean, like episode twelve, the format is still the same as episode one, but I feel like we're still getting more refined and we're getting more comfortable mm-hmm. and it's not um it's i don't know, it's just at this point i feel like we're, we're just having conversations and the only thing guiding it is just you know the news we talk about news we talk we, basically we have like a little it's like we're going tonight down a nice river yeah. you know we have we know where we're gonna go news but not, topic what's on the mind yeah yeah so uh i guess i guess now just because i like to rant and like uh not rant but like um i like I like full extent of a thought. So I want to mm-hmm. hear your complete thought on what you think is a good villain. Yeah. I want to hear your complete thought on your reaction to like, uh, you know, a, a news topic, you know, yeah. I don't want to hear, uh, the snippets are good. And, and, and I, you know, but you know, there's more, you know, there's more, you know, you want to go in depth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, outside of the podcast, you, I mean, you know me, it's like, it's, it's that's, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that anyways, you know, yeah. so I'll, I'll force mm-hmm. people to, to 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 talk you know to because talk it's it out. Mind. It's yeah. on the mind. Like, yeah, like it, it's, it's like, what yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So um, Anthony, Anthony, is there anything else on the mind? I, I feel like a, you know. We could, oh we could, no, no, that we'll, was we'll, that was my yeah. main thing. I'm just glad the progress that we're doing yeah. and now working towards good vibes. Then working on getting the um office to Mecula. Nice next nice. year, nice. beginning of next year, hopefully. For those that don't know, yeah. that that is a it is a nice area. It, it, it is. It's a nice. It's a nice area. It's local. It's nice area. It, it local. And then we're trying to work out paying grades and everything. So if you guys come on, we pay you bastards. Oh, look at that! Look at that! Uh, calls us Oscar. bastards. What's on your mind? All right. Well, I was gonna say Kyle was on your mind, but um, I know I, I saw that look in your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, I have spoilers, so I'm saving mine towards the end. Spoilers. I, I don't. Okay. I, for a book series, so I, it, it, Song of Fire and Ice, Game of Thrones, whatever fans, whatever. That's later on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oscar, what is on your um, mind? On my mind. All right. So, so I wrote a. Um, so, like earlier, I mentioned uh, we, we were talking about William Fisk, right? And we were talking about Daredevil and all that. And uh, I was gonna do. Sometimes I just wanna I just wanna write something, or uh, we have to wait till the podcast to talk about something on film or or whatever. I just I just wanna I, I need to. I feel like that's that's one of the dilemmas of an artist. You just need to say shit. You know, you yeah. feel bad if you don't. Um, if you don't do what you want to do, and uh, so, I, but I wanted to talk about this, and I couldn't. Uh, I wanted to talk about the show Daredevil, and then I caught myself thinking, um, you know what? Um, this the conversation was moving too fast, 
you know, or that, that was my impression. I, I was thinking like an old man and I was going like, I don't know, like everyone already binged this thing. Like the second, the day it came out, people watched it all. And then I was kind of thinking on, um, so, I, so I wrote about this. I wrote about this, uh, this whole idea of, um, of uh, that, you know, uh, in, in the, one of my favorite books, Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury, right? He's talking about us losing context, right? Because we're moving faster and faster. We're trying to get as much information as we can. Uh, we lose context and we just go for the we just go for the facts. So we go to BuzzFeed instead for of reading. the snippets. Yeah, we go for the snip the snippets. We go for the Google answer. We ask Siri. We ask Google now just to give us just the answer. I don't need the context. I don't need I don't need to figure out why uh, Napoleon did this or did that. I just want to find out when he did it. I want to find out the date of the battle. I don't care what led up to it. You know. Um, so you know you know I've I was thinking about that. I'm like th this is one area where you could see it been in, in media, in our consumption of, of stuff, like we're just binging things. Uh, and in social media with Twitter, it's just like, you know, just, just throw it out there. And then later I kind of hit like, um, not an epiphany, I mean, but it just, I just kind of thought about it a little further and, and uh, moved away from the grumpy old man. So I love Ray Bradbury, but I disagree with him. I agree with the sentiment that context is important, but I, I kind of, uh, and this is one of those things where I'm saying like, as you talk it out, you kind of like figure out your process yeah. Um, your, your own thinking and it's like mm -hmm. writing is is, uh, is uh, a slower but I feel like it's just as powerful as a good conversation where you, you kind of figure out your own thoughts and as I was, as I was writing I was thinking like you know what uh, Orwell Huxley and uh, Bradbury you know they're all right like they're all correct the uh, you know government is force and society is a trap you know but uh, that, that was true then it was true during the Greek times, you know, there was conspiracies then, you know, I mean, uh, Shakespeare wrote about conspiracies, you know, um, uh, society's always been there to suppress people, anything different, you know, there's always gonna be someone that's telling you not to do something, that's just historically the way it's been. Um, it's gonna be true when we're dead, you know, 100 years after we're dead, it's gonna be a thing. Um, so I, I, kinda, I kinda, I kinda just, I hit like a little, you know, like any epiphany, it's like you're, it's, you already know it. It just kind of just the click, right? I don't know how else to say it. You know, epiphany, right? Uh, that progress isn't moving to zero. Progress isn't moving towards things faster. So, you know, like it isn't limited to that anyways. Progress is moving towards infinity. So what I mean by that is um, in business, for example, when you, you could be a Walmart or an Amazon and try to deliver something faster or cheaper mm -hmm. or more efficient or whatever. Um, but I think that's, that, that's over. That's already done. We're now we're moving towards the infinity where it's like, you can sell, you can sell a burger that costs like 20, 30 bucks and people will still buy it. People will choose to pay for a more expensive burger. They don't have to go to McDonald's. That's going for a dollar, you know, um, because it's choice. And if, if you're going to a, a store and you're going to get a fishing pole, right. And you go to the, to big five and uh, they have two, you know, they got the cheap one and they have the expensive one right now you can go on amazon and there's like 30 30,000 and then like well i wanted the best one well now there's a more expensive one that's the one i wanted or i wanted the cheap one well i could find the one with the best reviews it's it's chaos and it's kind of it's not a race to zero anymore it's a race to infinity it's kind of like that i don't know if this analogy makes sense but the netflix drop problem or, or a problem you have an infinite amount of yeah. options but yeah. you have you're only looking for one yeah well it's, it's kind of like this well now I, I guess what yeah and again uh, restating the phrase um 
uh, progress is not moving towards zero, it's moving towards infinity. Uh, one, another way of saying it is that every day it's getting easier to be you. So this podcast is an example of that. The Netflix thing is an example of that, where um, the people that are binging uh, you know, all 13 episodes of, of Daredevil, the, the day it came out, of House of Cards, of uh, Orange is the New Black, those people would have done that if they had the chance a thousand years ago. You know, now they just have the chance to fulfill that. And people like me that take their time with everything, <laughs> with everything, uh, because that's just that's just how I'm wired. And mm -hmm. those people are wired to want things fast. There are people that daydream and there are people that like to plan things. And there are people that just kind of go with the flow. Everyone's being a, like the best version of themselves by just being them. By uh, so, so it's kind of like, uh, I'm kind of going a little all over the place, but I, I kind of feel like it's, uh, it ties into to this even, where the podcast, where it's like, um, we have an opportunity to, to listen to other people's opinions that we would have normally never come in contact with. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's a grown opportunity that we have today that we didn't have yesterday, quote unquote, you know. And tomorrow, I don't know, like, well, what's, what, what new possible, you know what I mean? This is like where the hippie comes yeah. out. It's just like, what's, infinite, what's yeah, yeah, it's infinite, infinite possibility. possibility. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, I've, that's that's uh, as misanthropic as I am sometimes. It's like one of those optimistic things where I feel like potential is there, opportunity is there, in a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, man, you know, progress is infinity, not zero. That's that's kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like it's, it. Sorry, you you had me at saying burger, and now I can't stop thinking about Carl's Jr. Western bacon cheeseburger. After get your head really, out of your stomach. I just really after, want that right after now. After this, let's get some fucking burgers. Bro. <laughs> I, I am hungry. <laughs> yeah. Oscar, we'd like some burgers after let's, this. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. yes. You already know this. Um, right. Nostalgia Alley, man. Do you remember uh, when we used to work at the school? We used to get uh, every Tuesday. Oh uh, yeah, Taco, Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, we never. No, I, no, we, we got, got. I never got tacos. I never got. To, I got. Yeah. Um, you refused to get tacos. I got. No, I got carne asada fries every single yeah. time. Every single <laughs> time. Without without fail. Yeah. Okay. Kyle, what is on your mind as the finale? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Anybody who wants to get out from the spoiler from. Uh, Game of Thrones or A Song of Fire and Ice. I'll see you later. You're warned now. <laughs> All right? You have no option. <laughs> okay. So who I believe is the antagonist of the series is Tyrion Lannister. I think his story arc is the the downfall of a good good man. I think his 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 whole presence in this series has been to lead. Because at the end of the final of the book that just was released, he lines himself up with a, with basically an army of mercenaries, which he's going to basically manipulate. Mm -hmm. But the mindset that he has beforehand is very vicious, very very killing. And the only thing that separates him from Tyrion Lan or, or Tywin Lannister is the the willingness to kill innocent. That's the only thing that separates him from Tywin. Mm. Everything down to his character, he is. There's still there's still good. A little well, the bit thing there, is, there's still I mean, a fragrance, right. a slight. Yeah. Slight thing of uh, like I'm right. I'm just humanity. I'm 50 pages away from finishing the first book, and I'm like, look, like from all the fan theories, which I should not have read, but looking at it as this book, like you're just seeing just the foreshadow galore. Just that book is just straight foreshadowing. It's one of those things that makes Game of Thrones really unique. Is it's hard to distinguish who's the antagonist mm -hmm. through the series because you have all these well-developed characters who have their well-rounded reasons for doing. For what they do or wanting what they want which makes an excellent fucking villain the gray which 
everybody loves Tyrion. Everybody's rooting for Tyrion. But societally, in that book, he's already a monster. And if you read the books, one of the most unforgivable acts is kinslaying, which is killing a family member. Right. He's committed that act. He has basically condemned himself. On top of that, he is as intellectually he has the intellectual prowess of his father combined with a family name that is known for riches and he's basically sold off his entire family's land for them to say let me go back and let me go kill my sister hmm. in fact in the book it's let me go kill and rape my rape and then kill my sister so he's like the mindset is is murderous and vicious he broke bad, and basically, is what you're saying. Basically. Yeah. Like he, he, even uh, Jay, uh, Jay, uh, Jamie Lannister? No, no, uh, George R. R. Martin. George R. J. Uh, yeah. George. George. George R. Georgie, R. R. George Boy. He even George. said after the after finality of, of Breaking Bad yeah. that Walter White was the biggest monster he had ever read. He's all, I need to take care of that. Yeah. And he has repeatedly said that his favorite character, and back in like 1990 something, yeah. said that the villain was Tyrion. Hmm. Like he's joked about it, like, but he stopped answering questions anymore. And for that specific reason, it makes sense that the character you love and are rooting for the most, the most one that's been tortured, would be the villain. I have a question uh, regarding uh, the timeline of uh, of the book. So you're saying you're finishing the first book, yeah, and so you're getting a piece that isn't even close to. Close. I know. I read. I did a lot of fan research that made well, me want to read the books. Because no, no, no. no. Uh, what, what I'm trying to say is um, the parts where you read up to. So, so, so there's, there's. Uh, how many books are there? Five so far. So they're saying that there's seven and possibly an eighth. Okay. So, so there's. Uh, holy shit! Because uh, he takes forever to read. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he'll die before he finishes. Don't, don't joke. Uh, <laughs> He's already, he's already Watch, he has them already all written. He just has them laying around. He's been like, a dick. Oh, yeah. he's just it's a been dick. about two years. He knows three, the ending four, already. He, he said that fans have already guessed yeah. the ending already. Okay, okay. Wait, hold on. Before I forget my question. Uh, so you're finishing the first book. And in the first book, are there things that haven't happened in the show? Yes. So uh, certain aspects here and there. Uh, for the most part, like I am quite impressed. There are things that are directly from like yeah. from writing yeah. to film, writing to film, and then there are subtle little details that are added to the to the show yeah, that and then, are beautiful, and then other things that they skipped over. And then the and then there's a few instances where things are spoiled for the book, where it kind of went a little yeah. flip. Well, it's. Right? One of the things, like, the things that he's talking about, yeah. those are aspects from in the book that m- most likely they were skipped over for ki- time constraint purposes, and they're not going to be added as actual scenes, if that's what you're getting at. Well, I, I guess, no, obviously there's gonna, no, obviously there's going to be things that, are, that are, you're not going to want to put into the, mm-hmm. into the video format, but there's, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, like, is one book, like, in the show, it's going linearly, right? Uh, and it kind of, well, I believe so. Um, like you're, you're gonna, you know, one character does this, and in one episode you're gonna see more than one character, right? In the book, is it like all following a few characters, or are you getting all of them at once, or like how's you it? Follow them, like sometimes it'll be months between, sometimes it'll be days in right. between, but you're like they'll have events that involve characters or affect characters that they respond to differently throughout. Yeah. The story. I, I guess. But it's the like closer it's, they I, I, have been, the past two. I'm, I'm asking very sloppily, but I, I guess uh, the cleanest way I can ask is, what is the difference in the timeline and format from the book and the show? 
booking the show sometimes like in the beginning i've seen a, there's a lot more time time gaps in between there's there's more time in between the closer they're getting to the books like the last two they are simultaneously hugging right like they are they are timeline wise they are right next to one another. you read one and then the other they are right simultaneously happening okay. happening those, those events like but in the beginning like you could sell that the characters are affected like maybe months maybe like days maybe weeks so, like sometimes the they're separated yeah. yeah okay in the first book either something some things happen and then you'll hear like that character hears about it or is affected by it weeks later or or things like that but the further you go because there's so much content yeah that it's that simultaneously like uh, he, like he was contemplating that this next one was going to take five years afterwards but he said continuity wise it just doesn't make sense to do it like it just they yeah. were all they were all lined up in certain areas where like the first like he's saying, saying that this next book's going to open straight to a battle Hmm. Like it's just like he like right where he left it off because he left the last book off with certain characters they're going straight into battle hmm. it's pretty interesting especially yeah. the way they have the setup especially what they do with the books where I actually notice is they'll follow a character to a specific decision and then that decision they'll show it from the other perspective of a character of how affected or will affect that character yeah and it's like this weird cool like linear scope but it's not really linear at the same time it's just cause but and effect. it's just, it's you see the actions you see the linear structure of cause and effect yeah through the books that's pretty and cool. that's pretty pretty badass yeah. but i still because looking at the aspects of it because the perceived enemy is the others or in the show the white walkers yeah and that's supposed to be represent a force of nature where man would be a perfect representation of Tyrion, in my opinion, because society treats him poorly, even though he is a morally good character. Yeah. He is very rich, but it gets him nothing. It gets him no respect, gets him anything like that. He feels that he can buy his way into certain things or scheme his way. Like He's the perfect example of an imperfect world of that humanity represents. And with the force of nature, which is perceived as the real enemy... We know nothing about them, not a damn thing. And the show even has a poor. Uh, the author has even said the show has depicted them completely differently how they're going to be depicted in the mm-hmm. books. Like you have this idea that it's some zombie ice creature, when in actuality they're 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 beautiful. They're they're creatures. They're they have their own language. They have their own society, and it's almost feared that what they're reacting to is a pact that was made long ago that man forgot. Mm. And that they are here to honor their end of that bargain. That you failed yours, we won't fail ours. And that was you come across the wall. Because most people don't believe that man made the wall. Which is a crude... That people look at it as a setting piece. When in actuality, it's, it's, it's a fucking story piece. Like, it's crucial to the entire story. That's where the finale will probably end. Like, it's a huge wall. No, like, unnaturally huge wall. You could see it, like, they describe it a th- uh, like 100 leagues away. You could see this n- a ginormous piece of ice. Mm-hmm. And man supposedly made it? So you're saying aliens. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, it's a race of beings that are fighting humanity for their own survival. And I think they even, like, brought it up, like, kind of hints, like, the wall itself is, like, sentient. Yeah, it's magical in its own being. Like, it's it's it, it's a force. You can feel, like, um, Melisandre, the red, yeah. uh, red pr- priestess, she's even said her power is unnaturally 
like she's stronger on the wall mm-hmm. like her powers are foresight like but she's human so the things she's shown are misinterpreted because we put our own interests and our yeah. own wants and desires to feed the prophecy versus the prophecy being just that mm-hmm. a double-edged sword that's what made it so tricky it's like prophecy is not bound by societal rules it's bound by what is mm. That's what's on my mind. That's I guess. <laughs> all right, cool. This is all. Look at this. We we had a, we had a little smorgasbord here. Yeah. We had, a, we, had a, we had a range. Holy fuck! Is that saying? What yeah. That? What do we have? We, we um an hour and seven on the second. All part. right. I think uh, I think now's a good time to probably fall <laughs> off. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So that's another podcast. We're gonna go eat. Anthony. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Anthony King. Where can we find you and some of your work? Uh, you can go to nextjourneypro.com. Uh, you can find us on YouTube of Next Journey or Facebook, everything Next Journey. Oh, and we also have another Facebook that's in, you know, the podcast. That's another podcast. Mm-hmm. Growing. Subscribe, follow, like, all that good we're stuff. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes. I don't know how you're listening to this, but uh, we're on the other if you want it. And Spreaker. Oh, my God. And Stitcher. Uh, yeah, Stitcher. Stitcher's a really cool app. Um, Kyle Davenport. Where can we find you? I'll pop up when I please. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> he's never going to say it. It's fine. I'm still going to ask every time. Uh, and I'm Oscar Robles. Uh, you can find me the same, li- uh, same links that Anthony mentioned. Uh, and you can also find me at thefleetingmoment.com. Uh, pretty blogs. Pretty, yeah, pretty blogs. Uh, well, basically, Beautiful. yeah, uh, just, just um, you know, find me on Instagram at Belated Conformer. I just take pictures and stuff. And then uh, um, blogs is basically, if, if you like the rants here, it's the same kind of shit. It's the same shit. Just bullshit. Just fucking me just, <laughs> just fucking spitting. I uh, love it. So um, we'll see you guys next week. We're going to go eat.